I'm Hemant Mehta. I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. Jessica recently attended the Amazing Meeting, a skeptics conference in Las Vegas, where she had the chance to talk to a number of amazing people. This episode, I was joined by Tyler Meeson and Justin Weinstein, the producers and directors of An Honest Liar, the documentary about the amazing James Randi. We mostly chatted about the movie, including the kind of archival footage they were able to find, and Yuri Geller and Peter Popoff. This is Jessica Blinky with the podcast for The Friendly Atheist. We're here at TAM 2014, and I'm joined by Justin Weinstein. That is correct. Hi. And Tyler Meesom. Say words. Oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> um, and uh, these two gentlemen are the producers and directors of An Honest Liar, which is a movie about uh, the amazing Randy. So do you guys want to give a little overview about the gist of the movie? It's uh, an action-adventure film. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of explosions. Mm-hmm. It's um, high you know, high, it's a big budget Hollywood yeah. picture, um, but you know we managed to um, with uh, CG mm-hmm. uh, star Randy in it as uh, Stallone was a weird choice for Randy, but it worked. You know, a lot of makeup, uh-huh. a lot of makeup and method acting. Sure, yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah. classic method actor. Yeah. Well, uh. so uh, <laughs> in reality, <laughs> it is about. Uh, a hero uh, to a lot of people, James the Amazing Randy. Um, it's kind of a biography of the man, but it goes beyond that. Uh, it, it, it covers a lot of his great history, um, some some stories, some very famous and intricate stories of his debunkings in the past. Uh, but it also follows uh, current events in his life over the years that we were filming. Which was between 2012? Yeah, we started uh, in, in July of 19, uh, 2012. 1912. 1912? Yes. Uh, of, uh, July of 2012. And I think the last shoot we got was what, August of 13, maybe? Four. No, it was 14. It was uh, February of 14th. We got uh, Jamie and Switz was our last. So, yes. So, good two and a half years. Okay. Um, so. Uh, yes, so, well, part of the film covers um, current day, or let's say the last two and a half years of, of Randy's life, mm-hmm. which uh, unexpectedly turned out to be a little bit more exciting and traumatic uh, and cathartic than we expected, or he and his partner expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, uh, I got the opportunity to watch it last night, it is so good. <laughs> It was, and I have been hearing about it since I came to Tam last year, and I saw previews, and I think I saw you guys went around with cameras a little bit, or some people went around with cameras. Maybe it was. It was us. It was probably us. And I watched the trailer and was really looking forward to it, and it exceeded all of my expectations. It was remarkable and heartfelt, and mm-hmm. and very well done. And I don't just say that because you guys are sitting here <laughs> in this room, although, you know. You also are sitting here in this room. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's... We really appreciate that. It was really, really great. Um, so, I mean, what inspired this? What made you decide that Randy was the right subject? Well, I mean, it's not a question that Randy isn't a great subject mm-hmm. for a documentary. Um, we were very, very, very fortunate that no one has yet made a feature-length documentary on his life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of media on him. Uh, he's done a lot of... Uh, like, he did a PBS special not too long ago. But... From birth to now, there's never been a feature-length documentary. So it, it was something 
that is very similar in many ways to what Justin and I believe in and what we, you know, what, how we live in the mission we believe. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was raised as a Mormon in my former life, in this life, and uh, consequently left the faith. And when I kind of got out of it, I realized that I spent a lot of my life being deceived. And in turn, being a Mormon missionary, mm -hmm. had deceived as well. So I kind of had this uh, antithesis or this anti-deception motive. And somebody turned me on to James Randi, basically mentioned he'd make a great documentary. And I looked into him and realized, oh my God, he would make a great documentary. Yeah. So, and then I met Justin. Uh, and I was not brought up a Mormon. <laughs> it's not too late. Uh, <laughs> yeah. brought up a Mormon? Not too late. I might convert. Um, but I did grow up a little bit on Randy's uh, media, in a sense. I, I saw him on Johnny Carson okay. and Happy Days as a kid, and it did have an influence on me. I was always... Um, uh, I loved films, and I loved science. And so I studied both, actually, and became a scientist... Uh, and found the actual process of doing experiments a little bit tedious for me and uh, ended up going back into filmmaking as a documentary filmmaker and have done a lot of science and environmental documentaries and, uh, and, and have always been fascinated with how, with how people can come to believe things that are demonstrably untrue mm -hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways and so uh, you know for both Tyler and I Randy his mission and his history was just like candy mm -hmm. and and I, I I'd really like to adopt him as my grandpa my, my, my grandfa grandfather excuse me <laughs> that uh, that's my goal in the end of all of this um, I haven't quite gotten him to sign on the dotted line but I'm close all right I like your persistence. Mm -hmm. um, so when uh, afterwards in the Q and A, you guys mentioned that in the film, the film is made up a lot of uh, archival footage, mm -hmm. and Randy just recorded everything he was ever on and just kept it, right? Which is a lot of it. Um, he had a collection that he, I guess, contributed to JREF, mm -hmm. uh, probably because it took up too much space in his house. Mm -hmm. Um, of probably about five to seven hundred videotapes um, of all kinds of different formats, old going. I actually going back to pre-videotape. Certainly, there was uh, Betamax, U-Matic, three-quarter inch. There was Super Sixteen, quarter inch reel-to-reel, -reel, all kinds of different things dating way back. Um, but uh, we went through that and pulled out maybe about three hundred tapes and uh, had to go through you know hundreds and hundreds of hours of old video now he didn't record everything unfortunately he was on shows like Wonderama um, well okay if you were a child in the late 60s or 70s you know what that is but it was a famous kids show and Randy was on it for a number of years but uh, they recorded over the masters um, so those shows weren't saved. Um, and some of the shows that we found on video, we couldn't find anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, we were kind of blessed with an abundance of riches when it comes to yeah. that. But we still had to do a lot of detective work, and we found a lot of other material that Randy didn't have mm -hmm. that turned out to be real gifts, mm -hmm. like in the opening of the film. There's a, a really wonderful, surreal, almost... Uh, scene that is one long take uh -huh. 
of, uh, of something that you just don't see anymore these no, days. And it's, it's old, grainy, black and white footage. And you looking at this, and it was uh, recorded in the CBC in Canada. Uh, I can't remember, early 60s. Makes you really no, appreciate. Late 50s, yeah, either, yeah. but it makes you really appreciate the difference in television. Yeah, even now, and we look through, we look through hundreds of hours of television of Randy from the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, and um, you know, you, we almost kind of watch the evolution of television yeah. and how quick it's become and how fast people come on a television or a talk show and they're gone. Yeah, you know, Randy would be on the Carson show, and he'd be on for. You know, 25 minutes talking only about faith healers. You know, that would never right. happen in today's world. It's so funny. Um, and you got, I don't know, is it a spoiler that you got Yuri Geller? Is that, well, do we need to bleep that out? There are bigger spoilers. Yeah. Um, I think. It's be, in the trailer. Oh, the spoiler of the. No, the, that Yuri uh, Geller for oh, no. a day. Yeah, is no, he no, in the trailer? He's in the trailer. Oh, okay. Yes. We. Yuri <laughs> Geller, uh, Randy's. So you can confirm. Yes. Yeah. And we, we can officially confirm that uh, Randy's almost lifelong, well, maybe 30, 40 years now, his mm-hmm. nemesis of many, many decades, Uri Geller, uh, did uh, agree to give us an interview for the film. I can't imagine why he, he just wants to be in camera. Well, I mean, first you have to kind of understand, your listeners have to, have to understand, you know, Yuri Geller and Randy's history, mm-hmm. which is, hopefully they know a little bit about oh, I guess, James yeah. Randy, in that James Randy has spent his entire life, well, James Randy started out as a world famous magician, and then he became the foremost debunker of paranormal claims. He kind of spent his life going after faith healers, moonbenders, psychics. People who are using the tricks of magic, not for entertainment, but rather for deception. And the top psychic of the 70s and 80s, and probably into the 90s, was a gentleman by the name of Yuri Geller. And Randy, you know, Yuri Geller used to bend spoons, and he would guess what was in an envelope, or he'd do all kinds of, like, bending keys and silly psychic tricks. He became very, very, very famous. On the other end of it. And very wealthy. And very wealthy. And on the other end of it, Randy saw him doing these simple magic tricks and deceiving an entire generation of people. And it it caused him quite quite a bit of anger, if you will. And so he decided to fight it. So he went on television, and Yuri Geller would go on television and bend a spoon, and Randy would go on television the next week and say, he bent it this way. They really had a back and forth, and we profile it quite a bit in our film. So... You know, it's, it's always been a very contentious uh, relationship between the two. I wouldn't say they like each other in any way. There, there have been. It gets a little more personal. There were lawsuits. Uh, Geller. This isn't in the film, but um, it is kind of public knowledge. It's out there um, that you know he spent a lot of time suing Randy for libel. Um, defamation. And defamation. And uh, Randy you know, had to spend a lot of money and, and time defending himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no love lost between the two. But at the same time, they kind of had this uh, uh, co not codependent it's relationship, relationship, but symbiotic because I think they both made each other more famous. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were maybe just... Uri Geller appearing on TV, maybe after a little bit, people would get bored of it and he'd go away. Mm-hmm. But once it becomes controversial, then it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. And for Randy, 
as a skeptic, mm-hmm. having a good target right. to make himself more visible as a skeptic helped helped him right. uh, promote himself. So, you know, they, they both are they both admit that they you know uh, raised each other's profiles in a certain way, but don't necessarily go so far as to, you know, yeah, although Geller, Geller says, he says, thanks to the skeptics, mm-hmm. you know, because they made me, you yeah. know, he said doubt, controversy is, you know, priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought one of the most striking uh, parts of the film was um, the discussion of Pierre Popoff, who, um, again, for listeners, he was a well-renowned faith dealer mm-hmm. and was famously found out by... Right. Why don't you guys say it? Because you're. Well, uh, yeah. So I uh, let's not it. Let's not give this totally away. Um, even though it's also out there, mm-hmm. but for anybody who is not aware of it, um, it might be more ex- exciting to see it in the film. But uh, uh, Peter Popov, yeah, was a very famous faith healer beginning in the '80s, I believe, who uh, would go around the congregation. Uh, seeming to know information about people, their names, their addresses, the kind of maladies that they had, what they were suffering from. And it uh, appeared to be getting this information from God and so would impress everybody um, and basically get people to donate more money and, you know, believe that he was healing them. Uh, and he became very, very rich. He was earning, I think, a million dollars a month. Um, and Randy came in and basically, uh, through this almost Ocean's Eleven kind of investigation, <laughs> sending people in undercover, kind of step by step, how is it, how is, where is this information coming from? How is he getting it? Um, figured it out and debunked him um, in a very dramatic way. Uh, uh, unfortunately, even though at the time uh, Popov went, well, declared bankruptcy, it didn't last long and he came back and is still doing not the exact same thing, but things that are actually even sillier. <laughs> and he's still on TV and he's still making millions of dollars. Um, Tyler, last night we uh, spoke a little bit about a documentary you worked on before this one, and it was called Sons of, Sons of Perdition. Perdition. Yeah, it's a film I produced and directed, and it, uh, it's about kids who were kicked out of polygamy, mm-hmm. uh, Mormon polygamist kids, and we followed uh, three boys who had been kicked out from the ages of 15 to 16 after they had been exiled mm-hmm. from this community and kind of watched them adapt to a world they didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And how does... And clearly they're kicked out because when every man has multiple wives, is that... Sure, it's essential mathematics, naturally. If if you are a man and in order to get into heaven you have to have four wives, Mm -hmm. which is their commandment, or more, if you want, yeah, uh, then you have to get rid of some of the boys Mm -hmm. because it's 50% men and 50% women by and large. So they get rid of some of the the, the boys. I mean, there's more to it than that. Sure. Uh, They try to keep the good ones, Uh if you will. And most of these time, these boys have no education, mm-hmm. little contact with the outside world. They're told they're going to hell, and they're just sent out into a world they know nothing about. And they can no longer see their parents, family, mother, sister, brother again. So it's heartbreaking, but in some ways, um, it's beautiful mm-hmm. to see them kind of experience life okay. anew. Well, I think both of these things, the uh, pop-off thing and, and your doc, really speak a lot to 
in the skeptics community, people often deal with the what's the harm question. If, you know, I take this pill because I think it's going to make me smarter, what's the harm? It's not actually doing anything bad for you. But when you look at these glaring examples, there's a huge amount of harm. Absolutely. You don't, uh, I personally, I don't even think it's necessary to go that far to, you know, explain the harm from, uh, you know, un unwarranted beliefs, but um, it is definitely most visible when you see a faith healer telling people to throw away their medications because they've been healed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, doesn't get much worse than that. Do they have any, I mean, is there any, any information we had to find out, you know, did people die as a direct result of what Popoff did? Um, I mean, is there any way to... I, you know, I... We poured through hours and hours of these pop-off tapes, and a lot of them had the names. He would call out their names, obviously, and I, I did exhaustive searches to try and find these people, and I couldn't find any one of these names. You can find a lot on Google. Sure. But that's because they were, that, that was... It was 30 years ago. 30 years right, ago, but, but there still. have been other, uh, I think, documentaries that I've seen that do follow up on people mm-hmm. who believe that they've been healed, um, and then... Essentially, what happens is they find out that they're not healed, but that doesn't deter them from believing that they were, and now it's a relapse, or, you know, basically they find a way to justify um, the fact that they're not entirely healed. So it it doesn't necessarily alter their belief system um, when they learn that, you know, the, the thing is, a lot of it is also theatrics. Um, I mean, for example, what they do is anybody who comes in walking with a cane, they offer them a wheelchair and they bring them up to the front. Uh, and then Popov will heal them and say, get up and walk. But they know that they can walk. Yeah, but nobody else does. But they're but they still buy into it. They still yeah. think that they're healed even when they're walking like five minutes ago. Well, it's not that they said that they couldn't walk. And it'll be something like he'll ask them, So you've got, you know, hip problems right. or you know, and that's been hurting you and you know, you, you have trouble walking. Um, now you're healed. Get up, walk, run. You know, and so it seems he didn't necessarily say you could not walk before now, right? Now you're healed, get up. Right. How did you watch over it? So it's his voice. I just, you know, it's like nails on chalkboard. Good at what he does. Yeah. Every single person that Randy goes up against, these main people, they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're they're professionals. You don't make millions of dollars a month like Peter Popoff did without being good at good at it. Right. You know, and he was. It was in some ways it it was um, it was amazing to watch to see how good he was at pulling the wool over these people's eyes night after night after mm-hmm. night after night in a different city. I just, I mean, how much, what was the, you said you started built, I'm going to use regular words in a second, um, you started filming in 2012. Mm. What was the process leading up to that? Like, did you, did you have a period of research or were you researching and watching, going over these videos while you were filming? We really just dived. First, first we just dived in with a camera because we started. Basically, we met three weeks before town, I think, or maybe a month. Yeah, and decided, okay, let's do this together. 
uh, and Tam was coming out. You two met for the first time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we met at a film festival, and we're talking about Randy, and we're, hey, this is right. And did one of you have the idea, like, did one of you come in, like, this is what I want to do? Somebody had mentioned it to me uh, a, a week or two or a month or two before, and I had tried to get a hold of the James Randi Educational Foundation, and they said, yes, uh, a lot of people want to make a documentary on him, but nobody has. Mm -hmm. And uh, they watched Sons of Perdition, and they called, and they said, go for it, do it. And it was literally the next day I met Justin. So we kind of just jumped right in. Yeah. And I had almost forgotten. I had talked to the James Randi Educational Foundation, and it would have been like three months and I'd reach out every once in a while. But. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of, we came to TAM, uh, we flew down to Met Randy, we filmed as much as we could on our meager own pocket, you mm -hmm. know, filming what we could, and then uh, once we made a trailer, uh, we got it out into the world, and it allowed us to kind of get a little bit more of attention and raise some capital in order to keep making the film. Mm -hmm. And as we started the filming, pretty much after TAM, uh, we did start doing research. We have lab chairs here. I know. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's not. It's not flatulence. Um, so, yeah, we... Uh, you can cut that off. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to edit things, so... Great. Yeah. Uh, I'm a professional. Uh, so, we were doing research and filming, and we started what was a very long uh, kind of period of... Very deep research, archival research, figuring out the stories in Randy's life that were worth telling. Mm -hmm. um, and, there, and there are a lot of them. Yeah. And more of them can fit in a single 90-minute film, obviously. Yeah. But that was difficult. I mean, it really took a lot of work on our part. And we did develop other stories, um, really flesh out um, some other um, great episodes in his life mm -hmm. that are incredibly cinematic and really exciting stories, but uh, in the end we had to kind of choose the ones that would make a cohesive whole film. What are some things that you cut out? Oh boy, there's so much. I wouldn't say we cut out major stories, mm -hmm. obviously, because they got cut out. But we edited for about a year and a half. We have an editor, uh, Greg O'Toole, mm -hmm. and he came on board. And the first thing we did when we hired him, we all went to a cabin and we locked ourselves away with no cards and ideas and footage and just kind of laid everything out. And, of course, it was massive. It was big, long, and then we whittled down from there. So as far as some of the things we cut out, you know, there, there were episodes in Randy's life. There were instances, there were cute little pieces of archival that had to hit the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. There's a story in the film called The Alpha Project where two young magicians fool psychics over the course of four years. There were some really great elements in that that we had to cut out. So I wouldn't say we cut big pieces of meat mm -hmm. rather than just nice sections. Is it a little heartbreaking when you see the... Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. There, it, it's more that there are also some stories that we did not film because even though they were great stories, we uh -huh. knew that they wouldn't fit in the film. There were a few stories that we had Randy tell, um, thinking that they might be in the film and weren't able to include them. But not, you know, it, it wasn't. There are stories in our film that are told by multiple people. Um, like the oh, Popov uh, story or the Project Alpha, the things that 
didn't make it into the film. It might have been just stories that Randy told. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there potential for a, a DVD release with some of these kind of added back in? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to see them. So yeah. 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 We'll send them to you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll forward them to you. Well, so, uh, so you're talking a little bit about the people you interviewed. There's a lot of names that you know listeners of this podcast would certainly be familiar with. Yeah, we interviewed the Penn and Teller, mm-hmm. although. Um, uh, I won't. I won't we, yeah, I was going to do Randy's joke, which is, you know, uh, uh, Teller said this fascinating thing to me the other day. He said, and yeah, I, but I didn't want to do it. Randy because did not walk in the room and tell that joke. No, it's, it's a bad joke. Justin. You're going to cut that out, please. Nope. You're going to figure out this how to. This is all gold. Jeez. Oh, well, it's not my joke. It's Randy's joke. So don't blame me. We've heard it about 20 times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we interviewed Penn and Teller, uh, Adam Savage, who was great, um, and really, he's a great guy, really nice, generous, and very insightful, and he's one of Randy's disciples. I mean, he says Randy is the original Mythbuster. Um, Bill Nye. uh, Richard Weisman, Jamie Ian Swiss, Yuri Geller, of course, we got. um, Michael Shermer is in there. Ray Hyman. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. We interviewed Richard Dawkins and you know, some other people, um, and it, a, a lot of. In the beginning, we were getting just people telling us how great Randy was. Right. Before we kind of got to a place where we knew what the stories were, and so there were a few people that we interviewed early on that didn't make it into the cut that I would have loved to have come back to interview, but we didn't have time. Yeah. Well, so what you're saying is they were just saying this is my experience with Randy, and then you wanted. More specific details or details about? You know, the, the film took on a lot of. Uh, when it started, it was very broad. Uh-huh. It almost became like Randy and his followers and the movement of skepticism. Mm-hmm. And then we realized that, you know, it's much more interesting to yeah. just tell the story of Randy. So we kind of had to narrow it down. You know, it, 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 some of the early interviews were nothing more than research okay. for what we were doing later. Mm-hmm. You know, the good thing is that most of the people, in fact, all of the people we interviewed, were very adept at speaking. They're entertainers. Mm-hmm. They're magicians. They're used to being on TV. So we we were really able to get good, solid, concise interviews, and they knew exactly how to say it and what to say. Yeah. Oh, God. It, That's it, it really helped. Great for people who are used to working with, you know, you guys make movies, but you don't work with people who... Yeah, although I, um, I, I respectfully disagree with Tyler <laughs> in that um, we did, and, and I mean, yes, to a large degree, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Savage, Bill and I, um, you know, they're, you know, and Penn, well, Penn is a great speaker, but um, everybody can go off in different directions. Um, and then, you know, yeah, so, right. I mean, he's fascinating and he's, you know, a very smart he's guy. He's speaking for two people. Right, he's, exactly. He's speaking for two people. But also, you know, not everybody also understands that this, the documentary that we're making is not one where somebody can tell a story for five minutes. So if somebody does that, there's no way it's mm. going to fit in the film. Um, it Because it moves faster than that. The, just the pace of the film, the way people are telling stories, it's more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for a lot of people, we did have to kind of, you know. Well, yeah, there's always a coaching, you know. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, but we were lucky overall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we were getting close to a half hour. 
Um, so let me know you guys. Your time is very valuable. Mm. I appreciate it. Incredibly valuable. You're going to get a bill in the mail. Sweet, yeah. I bought him a beer last night, so I think. Oh, that's right. That does. That's evens it up. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Man, I, I get bupkis. Yeah, well, it's more. It's Tastes good. So, just in summation, uh, wh- wh- when is this going to be released? Like, when can I go to my local movie theater and see this again? Pay my money. Or buy me a beer. Yeah. Tyler's easy. Um, <laughs> and yes, uh, we're working now on distribution, theatrical distribution mm-hmm. uh, for the fall, probably the late fall. Um, hopefully, broadly in the US. We know it'll start um, probably in New York and LA. This guy's got everything. I don't know. Oh. So pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like about New York. <laughs> Not the pretentiousness, yeah. but getting films. Um, so, uh, so it'll be available in theaters in the late fall, and then soon after that, uh, uh, DVD, um, VOD, DVD. iTunes, Amazon, you know, and then ultimately uh, broadcast and Netflix and then broadcast. And then uh, on your iPhone, and then on your shoe, <laughs> and then... Sense of Prediction is on Netflix, yes. Yeah, we will have to check that out. I would watch it in preparation for this, but... Yeah, we're, who did your homework? I'm, Sheesh. I literally had no... You didn't even know what this. beer I liked. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's real research. Yeah, well, I focus on the important things. <laughs> beer do they like, whether or not they're pretentious. Yeah. You yes, failed yes. on both. You <laughs> failed on both. You still have a chance to find out what beer I like and buy one from me. Okay. Well, you a chance to bar. redeem yourself here. You're cool kids. Um, so, I, I guess, in summation, what do you want people to take away from this movie? What do you want people to learn or feel or that we're tell their friends about? Extremely talented. <laughs> yes, first and foremost. <laughs> That's what I got. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's all. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. It's a vehicle for you guys. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I will I can speak for myself. Um, I, without being uh, too long-winded, um, I'm, I, I really want people who are not necessarily skeptics, who are not necessarily people who have kind of drunk our Kool-Aid to look at the trailer to see hear about the film and think wow uh, an escape artist magician with some great stories let me go see that and then be entertained by it and be brought in by it uh, by the kind of just force of the kind of the storytelling Mm -hmm. but then learn something from it Um, so that message that is kind of Randy's mission is something I would like people to get out of the film but I don't necessarily want that to Except for us skeptics, mm-hmm. I, I, I want other people to go and see it who are not going to see it because they already know that message. Right. You know, there's no real overt message in the film, right. and that's really nice. Uh, I think one of the mo- fears of modern audiences, especially in documentaries, they went through a real stage of preachy yeah. documentaries. And it's unfortunate because there's so many great docs out there right now that aren't, that are... <coughs> really great character docs Mm -hmm. or interesting comedy docs and people are afraid to go to them because they feel like god they're just going to tell me what i should believe or i don't want to and there is a you know there is a a a range of those and those are great an honest liar is more than anything a character doc 
Uh, it's about an interesting man who's lived a very interesting, rich life. It's got heart. It's got drama. It's got comedy. It's a love story. And that's something when Justin and I went into it, we really didn't think it would be. So it's important to, to entertain. And, and more than anything, I think our film will entertain people. It's got explosions. And sex scenes. Sex. And, and three, it's 3D. It's in, yeah. it's in 3D. Yeah. This can't just come right at me. Right, you <laughs> 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 oh, Okay, well, on that note, um, that's going to do it. Um, thank you guys for your time. Thank you mm-hmm. for coming. Thank you for the film. It's oh, I, I, I really can't say enough good things about oh, it. Thank Although you so much. Spent half hour <laughs> so I guess we can. We could say 31 minutes for some good things. Um, well, we were speaking for most of that, yeah. so you, you can spend another 31 minutes talking about how great this is. Yeah, there's going to be like a capper half hour of just me talking because yeah. that's what everybody wants to hear. <laughs> like, oh, these guys are boring. And, and just naturally, uh, anyone can get on our website and find out where the film is showing. It will mm-hmm. be showing at festivals for the next uh, you know, few months. Mm-hmm. Um, also, our Facebook page. Has a lot of information. Anhonestlier.com. Mm-hmm. Or Google Anhonestlier. Google Anhonestlier. If you or want to go that direct route. They're pretty smart. Um, okay. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for joining us. This is Jessica. Um, you can find more information about Friendly Atheist at FriendlyAtheist.com. Um, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. Our theme song was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. And thanks to Michael Greif for helping us with on-site recording. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blimke. We hope you join us next time.